Welcome to episode three, Ridley Scott. On today's episode, we discuss one of Johnny's favorite directors. We talk about King of Heaven and other great movies he has directed. We discuss movies that we have seen over the past week, including Eddie's trip to the theater. We also react to an article about summer flops. We invite you to grab some popcorn and your favorite beverage, take a seat, and put up your feet, because we're talking movies. Welcome back. I'm Johnny Popcorn. And I'm Eddie Klieg, and we're talking movies. First, Eddie and I want to uh, start off this week by thanking those of you who've taken time to listen in during our first two episodes, and especially to those of you who have taken time to comment and send us those comments. And keep them coming. And again, if you have any suggestions for future programs, please send those along as well. Now, before I go any any further, I think I should probably give the answer to the trivia question that I tossed out. If you recall, the I asked who was the character actor who was shot outside the saloon in the mud by the gunslinger, who was played by Jack Palance, in the movie Shane. I was going to give a teaser, and I'll toss that out real quickly, so if you're listening, you have a few seconds to answer. That same character actor played the gunsel in the Maltese Falcon. And I get, that's the old Bogart film. So that we're, again, this is a little bit of a history type question. The answer, for those of you who have been just waiting for this, is Alicia Cook Jr. And once you check him out, you'll see him pop up generally as a, oftentimes a uh, kind of a bad guy in the, some of the old detective movies. So he's out there. So that's the answer to the question. We're going to move on. I would like to say half of the listening audience is saying, what the heck did he just say? <laughs> Anyways. As we said, we're going to go, we'll be current, we'll be somewhat current, and we're going to go back for some of the really golden oldies back, uh, where do we get to the film noir section? So anyway, today we're going to be talking about one of my favorite directors, Ridley Scott. And again, I'm responsible for this one. So if you don't like the subject, you can let us know that. I'm going to begin with a film that didn't really do that well in the theaters. And one of the reasons it did is the way they chopped it. And when I saw it in the theater, I thought it was pretty good because I was interested in the subject. I'm talking about Kingdom of Heaven, starring Orlando Bloom, Eva Green, Martin Sokas, Liam Neeson, and one of my other favorites, Jeremy Irons. And Kingdom of Heaven, for those of you who don't know, deals with the Crusades, and it specifically deals with Balian as the hero, helping, to, he's a blacksmith, who for a variety of reasons, mainly because he, he murders his own brother, not to give you too big of a spoiler, but he flees uh, with his father to Jerusalem, to defend Jerusalem against Saladin, as the English would say, or as they say in the film, Salahadin, played by the, I believe he's Syrian, Ghassan Massoud. Anyway, it's an action-packed cast of thousands when you count all of the Knights of the Templar and the various soldiers and, of course, the uh, Muslim army that attacks Jerusalem. But it's it only did... As I said, it wasn't well received, and part of it is how it was cut. When I watch it since the theatrical release, and I watch this movie probably once every five months just to keep my hand in it, 
I watched the director's cut. And I believe the director's vision, and when a director as good as Ridley Scott has made a film, he deserves to have his film seen. So if you are going to watch this on any service or access to DVD, try to get the Blu-ray version of the director's cut. That's the real movie. Anyway, it deals with the defense of Jerusalem. Balian, he's basically a non-believer. And what Ridley Scott was doing, and it irritated a lot of people because this film came out in 2005, shortly after, you know, only a few years after 9-11. So if you didn't take a hard Christian viewpoint or a hard Muslim viewpoint one way or the other, uh, some people were upset with it. It took some courage, according to the late uh, theater critic Roger Ebert, to even make such a film. But it really deals with one man's conviction and adherence to a code of honor irrespective of religious background and doing the right thing in the right circumstances for all the right reasons. And what Ridley was really trying to point out, I believe, and I'm sorry to speak for Mr. Scott, he's welcome to call in and challenge my viewpoint, as a matter of fact. We welcome that. He was trying to show that it, when extremism on whatever side of the spectrum takes over, a reason goes out the window and chaos and conflict can occur. And Balian's put in the middle of this and resolves it. I think it's a well-done film. Nobody does big-scale movies, probably any better than really Scott today. And uh, it's a theme. He loves historical themes. He's redone Robin Hood, for example. Those of you who have seen that with Russell Crowe, he, he loves those older time periods, particularly when people are living and working by a code. I could probably go on, as Eddie knows, and other people who know us, know me, the kingdom of heaven, there's many lessons that you can take from it. Uh, one thing I want to say, Orlando Bloom probably got hammered a little bit unfairly. I think he got criticized because people knew him. You know, the, the Ring trilogy had already been released, He had, where he plays the uh, elf who has the, uh, the bow. I forget the character's name at the moment. Of course, everybody knows him from the Pirates of the Caribbean. Before Kingdom of Heaven came out, he played Paris in Wolfgang Peterson's Troy, Epic Troy, which, of course, was a star vehicle for Brad Pitt, who played Achilles, and also Eric Bana, who played Hector, the son of Priam, who was the king of, he's the prince of, of uh, Troy. In that movie, Bloom played Paris, who steals Helen, Helen of Troy, and he's kind of cowardly. So the comparison between that and then when he appears as a heroic person in Kingdom of Heaven, some people may not have believed it. All I can say is watch the movie, just like we encourage everybody, form your own opinion. It's a long movie. If you do the director's cut, it's about three hours and five or 12 minutes. I forget exactly, but I think it's well worth it. And then make your own opinion. Well, there we go with that. That's that's my statement on Kingdom of Heaven for today. I know you've, you've seen this a million times. <laughs> I wish we could have Mrs. Popcorn call in and give her take on Kingdom of Heaven. No, she'd say, <laughs> why are you watching that thing again? She again. saw it with me in the theater. Uh, there's a lot of, believe me, it's very violent. The action scenes, and we're talking broadswords, axes, Saracen blades, and so on. There's a lot of bloodletting in this. And uh, lots of people tossed over walls, burning oil, all of the all of the above, uh, and the trebuchets. Those are the cat from modern terms, the uh, catapult throwing the burning, the burning uh, oil and so on, and stones against the walls of 
it's it's a magnificent spectacle, but it is violent and bloody. But it's a great movie. These are the, this is what Hollywood does. This is this is when we talked about those things that make an impression. You can't do this. You need to see this in its full glory. If they bring it back in the big screen, uh, it's well worth seeing. Before I leave any conversation about Ridley Scott as a director of historical, we have to mention Gladiator. Maximus Decimus Meridius, played by Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe, as you'll know, if you go through his filmography or you've seen many of the Scott films, is in several. Uh, and Gladiator, of course, is what I would call an iconic film. Some people didn't like it. Again, I've watched this a gazillion times. I love the, the time and the way the CG recreated Rome and the Colosseum. I have stood in the Colosseum as it looks today. And the fact that they brought out that they had the awnings that they could put out over the crowd, just like a modern day stadium, that was very impressive. By the way, if you don't know it, they're looking at a Gladiator 2. And if you're wondering where they're going to go with this, they're going to pick up Lucius, who's the young child, the nephew of Commodus, the young boy, about 25 or 30 years later. So they're going to be looking at that. The other iconic thing, uh, one of the other, the iconic film that got really started on the map, literally, was Alien, of course, with Sigourney Weaver, and set a whole new tone for the monster venue in science fiction and outer space. Of course, he's followed that up with a couple of others, Prometheus, where he revisited and tried to tie things together. And then Eddie and I saw more recently Alien Covenant, which I thought was a much better film than Prometheus, actually, because it did clarify the timeline a bit. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, and also, they're going to revisit the Alien series again. Cameron did it, of course, with Aliens. And they're going to do it because, Eddie, and you know this, you've talked about Disney acquiring what most of the world, I think. Yeah. They took over the Fox library and the Fox name. Disney apparently has plans for a lot more use of the alien creature. The other iconic film, Thelma and Louise, which when we're talking with the Me Too movement now and women's rights and so on and so forth, 1991, when Gina Davis and Susan Sarandon rode that convertible around and encountered a very young Brad Pitt, who was kind of a shall we say, not very nice guy, when they flew off into movie history, if we will, and I don't want to give any spoilers if you haven't watched it. It's a pretty dynamic uh, road show for a road movie, if we will, for two young ladies who, trying to, who are trying to find themselves, escape their, their lives and, and find some place in the world, if we will. A couple of others that I'm going to mention uh, just uh, in passing here, uh, Black Hawk Down, because it has a political edge to it, dealt with the Somalia disaster and the, the helicopter that fell and the literal massacre of uh, the American troops. Orlando Bloom, a friend of mine, just reminded me that, remember, Orlando was in that film as well. So he started out, started getting notice about that same time. I want to mention Ridley Scott had a brother, and I say have, unfortunately, I'll mention that a little bit later, Tony Scott. Both Ridley and Tony loved to use Denzel Washington. And Denzel was in a lot of films, actually more of the films for his brother Tony. 
this is very timely, and I did not double-check the name, and those of you out there up on the news, American Gangster, which came out in 2007, had Denzel Washington playing, and maybe we can go to the Wayback Machine and see what this gentleman just died two weeks ago, I believe it was. He was 88 years old. He was the, the black drug dealer that basically owned a portion of, I believe it was, he was either in New Jersey, I think it was in, in New York, and he was befriended by a newspaper writer who was played by, guess who, Russell Crowe. They became actually good friends. American Gangster, of course, is the film, if I didn't mention that. And Denzel is brilliant in it because he played, you wouldn't know he's as bad a guy as he appears because Denzel is just great on the screen, as anybody knows that. This gentleman was accused, and he admitted only one time, that he actually smuggled cocaine in from in the coffins of the dead soldiers coming back from Vietnam back in the 70s. Eventually, he went to, he served some prison time. But up until his death just two weeks ago, and he was good friends with uh, the Russell Crowe character. So there's just a little more timely element to a movie that uh, Ridley made a few years ago. How old was he? 88 when he died, I believe, from the obituary. Oh, okay. And I, I couldn't remember his name, but a couple others as we're going through here. Now, Eddie, Eddie and I and a couple of our friends went to see The Martian, which is more back to the, we're back into science fiction and space, which was actually a pretty intelligent film, we thought, uh, with Matt Damon. More recently, and here's a film that I thought was pretty good only because it covered an interesting part of history. I don't know if it's probably one of Ridley's, what you would say, great films. All the Money in the World which deals with the kidnapping of John Paul Getty's grandson in the early 70s. And at that time, Getty had, or was considered, the richest man in the world. He refused to pay the kidnappers. The, the, the grandson was kidnapped in Italy, and he refused to pay. Eventually, he got him back, not to give a spoiler, but it's a historical thing. You could check it out even before you watch the movie. So you know, it's one of those movies where you know the ending is it's still pretty pretty interesting. Christopher Plummer plays Mr. Getty. And that's more recent. It's one sideline here, and this is what I like about a guy like Scott. If I could interrupt for yeah, one moment. Go ahead. The Wayback Machine uh, was running a little slow, but I've got it back up run, running now. Frank Lucas uh, is the gentleman who passed away. Uh, uh, Frank Lucas, the American gangster. Yep. So, what is it? Do you give it a little tidbit about him real quickly there? We got... Well, the Wayback Machine is not very okay. Not doing very well a, right now. But it's on the whack. It's out of whack or whatever. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> Give me a couple so, more minutes and I'll see what I can find. There is one little thing uh, I want to mention about a movie called A Good Year, two thousand six. It's kind of a, a just a little movie, and I'll say a little movie, and it stars guess who? Russell Crowe. I understand, and I don't know if this is an apocryphal story. I think it's partly true. They were a little, really was looking for a little venture uh, to get away from the big heavy movie shortly after Kingdom of Heaven. He and Russell Crowe found a story about, a, I think he got, he's an investment banker, and he's tired of living in London and on the rat race, and buy, he gets hold of a, a small home in, and a vineyard in France. And they made this movie mainly to have make a movie while they're also enjoying themselves in, in France. 
And again, Ridley, if that's a, not a true story, you're welcome to give us a call and give us the, the backstory on that. One other film I forgot to mention, and how could I do this? The other iconic film, Blade Runner. And of course, the that's Harrison Ford. That brought a whole new noirish uh, look, kind of a film noir essence to sci-fi. And that, of course, was revisited again with Blade Runner, Runner, what is it, 2049, which was recently done. Did Scott do that? No, he didn't direct it. I don't believe he directed that. And I, frankly, I did not see that film. I 2049, he was executive producer. Yeah, I just checked it here. He was the executive producer. I personally did not revisit it. Uh, I kind of lost interest. I didn't, I, for whatever reason, I have not seen that. If anybody wants to send in their comments about that film, how they compared it to the original, better, worse, not worth it, whatever, please feel free to do so. Eddie, anything else you want to say on uh, Mr. Scott? And again, folks, we understand. We try to get people thinking about these movies we could go on for hours on this. Uh, believe me, we could really bore down into this. And what we don't want to do is bore you. I mean, I, I can tell you which ones I've seen. Okay. And as I go through here, he's directed quite a few. Producer-wise, he's produced, like, there was 153 different things. Yeah, and he's he, been... In TV, tons of stuff in TV, a lot of the stuff I recognize there. Most of the you know, documentaries and... and Stuff like that. Um, so as I'm just looking down this list, G.I. Jane, uh, I remember seeing that. That has, um, um, what's her name? Demi, I'll play Wayback Machine as Demi yeah. Moore. Yeah, yeah, Wayback Machine is perfect. <laughs> um, Demi Moore, yeah. Gladiator, of course. Yeah. Saw that. Um, Kingdom of Heaven. I, I had to see that because you always talk about it. So I saw that one. That was good. Um, Robin Hood. Yep. Did you mention Robin Hood? Oh, I, no, I, I forgot to. Well, I did earlier, but I didn't talk about the fact that I said it was Russell Crowe. And of course. Yeah. Sorry, Kevin. The, um, I still like you, Kevin Costner. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He, he skipped over you. Yeah. But, but, but this, this Robin Hood, again, it's Russell Crowe. And the other thing, it's got one of my favorite bad guys, character actors. He's actually more than a character actor now. And that is Mark Strong. He's the guy, if you didn't see the film, he gets it in the end. Uh, we won't give you the spoiler on that, but Russell Crowe plays Robin Hood. Little new twist: Kate Blanchett's in there, Max Van Sydow's in there. You'll 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 enjoy it. Mark uh, Mark Strong, yeah, was the bad guy in one of the best movies ever made that came out this spring called Shazam. <laughs> uh, so I just wanted to point that out. Now, um, best it, movie ever made. One other thing, one last thing, and then we're going to move on. we got a couple of things Eddie wants to cover. Uh, and this is for Eddie. Eddie's my Apple guy. Anything Apple, Eddie deals with. We talk about iconic things and executive producing. Ridley Scott directed the iconic 1984 Apple computer commercial that appeared during the Super Bowl for the introduction of what was that, the Mac? You know more about that. It was for the Apple computer anyway, the where they throw the, the Macintosh, Macintosh yeah. where, they, where the young lady comes down the aisle with all the people who are mesmerized by the speaking head and hurls the huge hammer through the screen. 
It blew everybody away there. It is still a magnificent production, and we're talking 35 years ago. So anyway, that's it for Ridley Scott. We can come back to him some other time. Uh, and as I said, we love directors. We pay a lot of attention to the guys who make the films. And screenwriters and directors, the actors, yeah, we love them all. But without a great story and about somebody to kind of have a vision and help let the actors fulfill that vision, what do we got? Right. All right, Eddie, where are we going now? Well, we're going to talk about some movies that we've seen this week. Um, if you want to go ahead and you know, there were two movies you saw. And then just to, as a little teaser, I saw Dark Phoenix. Uh, you want to go with that? This you weekend. To, you but no, I'll, you go ahead with your the well, two I'll just give two quick ones. Uh, if you haven't seen them, again, this is, I didn't get it to the theater. There's a thing we love about DVDs. I watched uh, Green Book, which, of course, is based on a true story. The friendship from between a guy by the name of Frank Tony Lip Vallelonga and a black piano player. He's actually a concert a pianist. He's not just a piano player. He's a pianist named Don Shirley. And the Green Book deals with the book that carries the names of hotels where black travelers could stay because traveling through the South in the 50s and 60s, and this takes place uh, in the early 60s, they couldn't stay in white hotels. And Viggo Mortensen plays Tony the Lip and Maharshala Ali plays Don Shirley and Mortensen plays the bodyguard. It's a terrific film. All I got to say, and it gives you a very good look at what the South and dealing with the, the conflicts in the South during that time. The other one, which is very timely and considering, again, the Me Too movement, the uh, On the Basis of Sex, which deals with the story of current Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, played by Felicity Jones and Army Hammer. He's now using Army, I guess, rather than Arm and Hammer, plays the husband. It's a terrific film. If you have daughters, it's a great thing to have them look and see what women weren't allowed to do by federal law. There were 178 federal laws that prohibited women from holding and doing, being able to do certain things within the government. It's a, it's a very interesting, it's probably a little, eh, maybe a little frothy and a little one-sided, but it's probably well worth because of the historical message. Again, we're talking history here, taking a look at. That sounds good. Well, the, the other movie that I'd recommend that those who have girls should watch oh, is, yes. what's it called? Hidden Figures. Hidden Figures. Um, about the mathematicians, the black mathematician, black lady mathematicians who... Help the space program and put uh, the guys in space and what they had to struggle with to get accepted. Yeah, definitely points points that up. Yeah. Um, okay, so Dark Phoenix, I saw that this weekend. Many of you may know it's got some bad press this week because it did not fare very well at all at the box office compared to what they were estimating. I saw it. I saw it Saturday matinee in the Cinemark. My daughter and I sat at the top and one or two other people were in the theater. It was the biggest theater that they have in this particular Cinemark. Huge. And there was only three people in it on a Saturday morning, the weekend that it opened. So I had a feeling something was going to be uh, skewed a little, uh, that uh, there was going to be some problems. The movie itself I thought was great. Um, it kind of closes a lot of the, the X-Men 
the more recent X-Men movies where they kind of went back in history and they call it the first class of the X-Men. I liked it. I believe my daughter liked it. She seemed to have liked it. It was pretty cool. But definitely that's the last X-Men with that bunch of characters. Now that Disney does own it, I would be shocked if within the next couple of years we don't see X-Men kind of reborn in the Marvel Universe. Are they going to change the tone? Do you think they're going to change the tone or just make it... Well, uh, change the tone as in bring it into the Marvel Universe. Yeah. I mean, for example, Spider-Man, right? Spider-Man was done by Sony twice, two different times. Uh, and then they gave Marvel the opportunity to work with them to bring him into the Marvel Universe. I think the, the newer the newer uh, Spider-Mans are, are a lot better, or the new Spider-Man. He's only been in, he's only had one standalone movie. Second one's coming out this year, but he was in a few of the other Marvel movies. So the X-Men, I don't think, it won't be the same actors. It'll just, it'll be brought in to the Marvel Universe. I don't know, it's hard to explain because there's so many of those movies, but they all kind of gel together. Different characters, different... I mean, it's just outer space. You got Thor, he's out there. You got back mm -hmm. in uh, World War II, you got Captain America, all that kind of stuff. It all smushed together really well. Um, so that's my kind of review of Dark Phoenix. Um, but it does lead me into an article that I found that basically saying that a lot of the summer sequels so far have been duds. Um, it was interesting. The only movie... Now, the, the article says that one of the disappointments was Avengers Endgame because they didn't beat Avatar's record. It did well over a billion, two billion dollars, and maybe it came a couple hundred million dollars short of the record, but how in the world is that a uh, disappointment? That makes no sense to me. Uh, John Wick did a little better than it was expected, 6%. Godzilla, Secret Life Pets, Rocket Man, Dark Phoenix. Uh, the only one that's excelled has been Aladdin. I think there are a lot of people that were surprised. I know that when my wife and I and my daughter went to see Aladdin, kind of know what was going to happen. My wife loves it. I don't know if you have any thoughts on any of that. Well, you're touching on two things here. First of all, and the people we're talking to or listening to this program know what we're going to what I'm going to say here. You need to watch the movie for yourself and make your own decision. If you listen to critics, whether I love something or you love something, Everybody needs to watch it and make their own decision. That's the fun thing of watching a movie. So if you let the critics always guide you, remember they have a certain ax to grind. And I really get upset when people are, now it's, you know, who's got the, the billion dollars doesn't please somebody. And you got to go for 1.2. The whole emphasis, this is what we're talking about. My other comment, when the director has a vision, he's made this film and yeah, the studio says, well, you've made too much film. It's, it's too long. You're only going to have three performances, not four or five. And that's what they did with, with kingdom of heaven. So they chopped 20, 20, 22 minutes off of it. When you edit it, and no matter how good the editor is, if you got to make it so it fits a timeline, you're losing some story. And when you watch the director's cut, it fills in those gaps with the character. As we talked last week, characters matter. And, the movies where they allow the where the director's vision is is done well. Not all directors can make it happen. We understand that. I just hate the fact the money comes once the word of mouth. That's why these even these little films 
get surprised. The indie films took off because you saw something and you talked to your friend and they went to see it and they said, this is great. Now, it's not going to compete with somebody who's trying to beat a $250 million budget. Right. It's a big number. But John, you mentioned John Wick. It's not sci-fi. It's not even CG stuff. There's a lot of stunts and stuff. But when compared, and it's doing pretty well and making money. It's and, just killing. Yeah. yeah. Killing, so, killing, more killing. So anyway, yeah, it's violent. I mean, we're not here to promote it. We love the character. We'll, we're going to spend time talking about John Wick, but sometime. No, I think that's so. the fun of this. We just get off on a tangent here. And, yeah. <laughs> I'll just last comment is at the end of the article, it does say that there are four summer releases that uh, can can make this a winning summer after the disappointments that this, this article says. But uh, The Lion King from Disney, Toy Story 4 from Disney, Fast and Furious, which we're excited to see from Universal Studios, and then the new Spider-Man movie, which is released by Sony but is done in tandem with uh, Marvel and Disney. So that's about it. What's the clock on the wall telling us, Eddie? Johnny, I think uh, that's it for today. As always, thank you for listening and subscribing to the show. We'd be grateful if you would leave a review, and if you haven't had a chance to subscribe, please do. Also, please tell your friends and family, because they are not going to want to miss an episode as we keep going on. Anyone can listen for free on Apple Podcasts, New episodes, we're going to start dropping them every Monday. And as an extra bonus, when Johnny and I go and see a movie together, we're going to post a short review of sorts type of thing. Um, we haven't worked out all the details yet, but that will happen. Uh, the easiest way to subscribe to our podcast is to visit our website, we'retalkingmovies.com, W-E-R-E-T-A-L-K-I-N-M-O-V-I-E-S.com. Scroll to the bottom of the page and click the big giant Apple podcast button. That'll take you right there. You can download the app and uh, our show will be right there. You can subscribe to the podcast is also available on Google podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn radio and stitcher. Um, and hopefully after a 14 day review process, it may be on iHeartRadio. We'll see what happens with that. If you have any show ideas or you just want to say, Hey, we can be reached through Instagram at we're talking movies just like our website or tweet us at we talking movies unfortunately i couldn't have the two extra characters so our twitter is at w-e-t-a-l-k-i-n-m-o-v-i-e-s and last but not least you can visit our website and leave a comment that's it for me that's great uh, i'm not going to leave a trivia question this is more of a question uh, see how bad if you were paying attention last last week I kind of, during our Bond conversation, I, I mentioned how much I like movie composers, and I, I mentioned that a gentleman's name, the name of the gentleman who composed much of the mu music for most of the Bond films, including the, many of the title songs, to give his name, uh, feel free to tweet it to us, email it to us, uh, all the ways that you can reach us. Um, we'll talk about that next time. Looks like that's all for today, folks. Until next time, keep your eyes on the silver screen, and as we fade to black, this is Johnny Popcorn and Eddie Klieg saying so long till we're talking again. <laughs>